0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 22 on the four ways in which Abraham influenced Isaac by Abraham's silence, speech, service, and sacrifice, and how the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others the very same way. Now, we have two resources of the month that we want to offer to you for your support of the Friendship with God radio program with a donation of $10 or more. And the two resources are from Tom Cantor, How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. In How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas, Tom Cantor uses the boat story to weave in the Christmas gospel message on how he as a Jew learned the true meaning of Christmas. And in our second resource, How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor gives a deeper account of his own personal struggle with coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ Now, both booklets are yours as our resource of the month. They're great witnessing tools to reach your lost Jewish and Gentile friends with. So call us now with a donation of $10 or more of support to the Friendship with God radio program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, teaching us on the four ways in which Abraham
1: influenced Isaac. But in trying to convince the baby that he should make this plunge we would say, look, life outside the womb is so much better. You know, in the womb, you've seen light through the womb and, and maybe some shadows you've seen. And we could even take the Bible and we could say to the baby in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now, now we see through a glass darkly. You say to the baby, now you see through a womb darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I'm known. And we could say to the baby, look, you don't know it. But you really are seeing things darkly. And we could say to the baby, we could use another Bible verse. We could say to the baby, 1 Corinthians 2 9, we could say, you know what? I has not seen, an ear is not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, neither has entered into your little heart, little baby in the womb. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. You never seen this, you never heard this. It's never entered into your heart before. But God has provided some great things on the other side of this womb. You're going to see colors. You're going to see clearly. You're going to see skies and birds and streams and oceans and mountains. But you've got to go through this very disturbing, traumatic, dying process. Well, in, in the case of a baby, being birth, So the Lord Jesus Christ, he's thinking about how hard the transition was to be born and how it was all worth it when he got to the beauty of entering into this world, and now from the cross, he's thinking that he's going to do it all over again. It's just going to repeat. It's going to be a hard transition for him to have all of his bones out of joint, as it says in Psalm 22, to feel like he's poured out like water, to feel his heart melted in the middle of his body. All that is described for us in Psalm 22, verse 14. Feel like he's, he's being brought to the dust of death. But as the baby in the womb, It's just a great transition. It's a great transition, and when he comes out on the other side, he'll live again, as it says in Psalm 22, verse 26. Your heart shall live forever. So we can imagine how Isaac knew that as a believer in Jehovah Jesus, that death was not his end, and death is not the end for believers in Jehovah Jesus. And just as we would say to the baby, let me take you out of this womb. You'll be cast out from the womb. So God says to us in death, God says to Isaac in death, let me take you out of the womb of this life of yours. Let, through death, you'll be cast out of the womb, like, and, and you'll, have, you'll be cast on me. And so that's why the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing his death approaching, was saying in Psalm 22, dying for me is like when I was transitioned from the womb to earth, and now I'm going to be transitioned from earth to heaven. That's why he brought it up. Now, as we come to verse 7, we come to one of the most tender conversations in all the Bible where we read these words, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? So here we say, we see that what happens here is that Isaac doesn't address his, Abraham and say, you know, he doesn't ask the question, but when he speaks to him, it says he's speaking to Abraham, his father. And Isaac calls him by that title. Isaac loves to call Abraham, my father. And he calls him, my father. And we can feel how Isaac loved his father, and his father loved him. And, he, and Isaac responds back. He doesn't say yes. He, he, say, he says, my father. He calls Isaac. He said, my father. And Isaac says to Abraham, my father. We can imagine how those words, when when Abraham hears these words, my father, we can just imagine how that just melted Abraham. You know, that struck deeper into the heart of Abraham than the knife that he was going to plunge into Isaac. It really was something. And then we can see the reciprocal love of Abraham for Isaac because Abraham didn't say, well, here I am, Isaac. He didn't say, well, here I am, son, but he says, here I am, my son, my son, because he loved to call Isaac my son. Isaac loved to call Abraham my father, and Isaac loved to call Abraham my father. Abraham loved to call Isaac my son. He says that, and Isaac looks at the fire, and he looks at the wood, and he asks the question, where's the lamb? This is a very searching question, where's the lamb? When I became a believer and went back to Seder again, you know, Passover, I look at the table, everything is on the Passover table there, and I ask the same question that Isaac did. You know, here, Here's the matzah, and here's all the parts of the Passover remembrance, and here's the book that tells us what we're supposed to say and do and eat and so forth. But where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? It's a dried-up shank bone. Then you still say where's the lamb? Where's the most important part of the Passover? Where's the lamb? Leviticus 17:11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. God said I gave it to you upon the altar for the purpose of making an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. Hebrews 9:22 says without the shedding of blood there's no remission. There's no taking away sins. Where's the blood? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb that makes an atonement for the soul? Behold, here's religion, but where's the lamb? Now, Abraham answers Isaac's question in verse 8. Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. That means that Isaac was happy with the answer. I, and Abraham, so, w- so this is a very hard question. Abraham, put yourself in Abraham's place. Where's the lamb? What are you going to say? Abraham, at that moment, thinks back on his life. And he thinks, uh, he, you know, really Abraham is in a very, very tough situation. He's really in a situation of, he's in the place of what we would call the I don't know place. I mean, really, you know, it's like, I don't know. And then he thinks back on his life of all the times that he has been in the I don't know place. And he thinks that where he didn't know where his wealth was going to come from. But he, he was in the I don't know place there. And then God provided the wealth for him out of Egypt, as it says in, in Genesis 13 too. Abraham was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. And how did Abraham got, get all that riches, get all that wealth? God provided it for him before Egypt. He, he needed, and he didn't know, he was in the I don't know place. And then God provided for him. And then Abraham thought of how he was again in the I don't know place, of how he did not know how he was going to recover his nephew Lot, as we've studied, from the armies of those kings who had already taken him back and were entering into Syria. And he only had 400 armed men, and, and he didn't know. He was he said, I don't know. I'm going after him. I don't know how I'm going to get Lot. But God provided a victory over them, and he was able to recover all. And then Abraham thought of how he was at another time in the I don't know place when he didn't know how Sarah would ever be reunited to him again after twice, after Pharaoh took her and Abimelech took her to be their wife. And he was in the, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get her back. But God provided reunion with Sarah. And then Abraham thought how he was in the I don't know place when he didn't know how he would ever have peace in his home and his marriage preserved after Hagar and Ishmael. But then, God provided peace in the preservation of his marriage. So, as Abraham thinks back over all those times when he was in the I don't know place, and in that place, he saw the same pattern. Abraham says, you know, I was in the I don't know place, and then God provided in an unexpected way. And now, when um, Isaac... Asked him the question in verse 7, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham thinks to himself, here I am again. I'm in the I don't know place. (laughs) I truly don't know. And so Abraham thinks to himself, all right, I'm in the I don't know place. I've been here before many times. I've learned in the past that when when I'm in the I don't know place, then God provides. And so Abraham tells Isaac in verse 8 what he's learned in his whole life. He said God's going to provide. God's going to provide, I don't know, but God's going to provide for a burnt offering. And so when it says at the end of verse 8, so they both of them, so they went both of them together, that's a very powerful statement because it shows us that Abraham had convinced Isaac to go with them. And then in the next verse, when it says that Abraham bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood, that shows the profound influence that Abraham had on Isaac. So that Isaac at that point, he's willing to die as a sacrifice. Why? Because of the profound influence that Abraham had on him. That's just amazing that Isaac is willing to die as a sacrifice. And we have to ask the question, what did Abraham do to make Isaac willing to die as a sacrifice? How did Abraham have this influence on Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice. It's not, it's not normal to be willing to die as a sacrifice, but Isaac's willing to die as a sacrifice. And we have to consider this question. How did Abraham influence Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice? In what ways did Abraham have this effect on Isaac who was so profound that he was willing to die as a sacrifice? There are four ways. Four ways in which Abraham greatly influenced Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice. And each one of these ways begins with the letter S. I don't normally do that, but anyways, the the S. So first, from verse 3 to verse 4, from after verse 2, when God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, and then through verses 3 and 4, till Abraham speaks in verse 5 to the men, we do not read that Abraham said anything. It just appears that Abraham was relatively silent during these three-day journeys of Mount Moriah. You know, we can be sure that when nighttime came and they built the campfire, Abraham wasn't out there saying, all right, everybody, let's start singing some campfire songs. (laughs) That's not what happened. (laughs) He was silent. And as everyone, and especially Isaac, watched Abraham for those three days, They saw a man who was relatively silent. Silence had a profound effect on Isaac. And Abraham affected Isaac by his silence. And when Abraham was silent, he sent out a message that he was focused. His head was down. He had a profound purpose. He wasn't going to become entangled in small talk. And Abraham affected Isaac by his silence. And that contributed to Isaac's agreement to be willing to die as a sacrifice. Now, the next way that Abraham had an effect on Isaac was by his speech, what he said, his words, his speech. As we've just seen, it was Abraham that influenced Isaac when Isaac asked the question in verse 7, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And and Abraham replies in verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham's words, his speech, have a tremendous effect A tremendous influence on Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice. So Abraham affected Isaac by by his silence and his speech. But Isaac, during this time, is also watching Abraham, his father. And Isaac watches Abraham in verse 3. As Abraham is really stated here, Abraham's doing all the work. Abraham's saddling the ass. Abraham's getting the wood. Abraham's cutting the wood. And then on, on Moriah um, there, Isaac watches Abraham do the work again. As it says in verse 9, Abraham builds the altar. Abraham lays the wood on the altar. And so all of, the, all of this, these scenes here is really Isaac watching Abraham work. And in all of these cases, as Isaac watches Abraham do all the work himself, he didn't give, it doesn't say he gave the work to the young man, or he told Isaac, now you go do this, you know. But Abraham did the work himself. And so Isaac saw that Abraham, as he did this, and he was doing all the work, Isaac saw him doing the work, and that influenced Isaac. And it made that influence and that effect also contributed to him to be willing to die as a sacrifice. So in this third way, Abraham influenced Isaac by his service. By his service. That's the third way that Abraham influenced Isaac, by his service. Then last, when Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face, as Abraham gave Isaac the answer that God would provide a lamb. You can be sure there was a lot of pain on Abraham's face when he said that. And Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face in verse 9 as Abraham built that altar. There was pain on his face. As he built the altar, there was pain on his face when he laid the wood in order. There was pain on Abraham's face when he turned to Isaac and he says, Now put your hands together, son, so I can bind you. There was pain on his face when he lifted up Isaac and laid him, as it says, on the altar upon the wood. We'll
0: return with Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. As you know, Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. As a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor has a heart to reach his lost Jewish brethren. And so does the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to reach his lost Jewish brethren as well, too. And Israel Restoration Ministries has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel. And Tom Cantor wants to invite you to support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. By your support, you'll help to reach lost Jewish people with free gospel gifts so that they too might be saved. So call us now or after the program with your donation of support in reaching lost Jewish people. 800-247-3051 800-247-3051 Or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher.
1: And so Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face in in verse 10, when it's the last thing, when he says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So in all of these instances, when Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face, Isaac saw how much this was hurting Abraham. And he saw Abraham's sacrifice. That's the last S. He saw Abraham's sacrifice. And Abraham influenced Isaac by his sacrifice. So those are the four ways in which Abraham influenced Isaac. By Abraham's silence, by Abraham's speech, by Abraham's service, and by Abraham's sacrifice. It was Abraham's silence, speech, service, and sacrifice that so greatly influenced Isaac that he's willing to die. What were the four ways that Abraham influenced Isaac? They all start with an S. What's the first one? Silence. 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 Second? Speech. Speech. Third? Service. And the fourth? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Those four areas. Silence, speech, service, sacrifice. Those are the exact same four ways in which the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others. First, just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his silence, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his silence. He influenced Pilate when he was silent, as it says in Matthew 27, 12-14. When he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. He influenced Pilate by his silence, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the way to the cross, He's resolved to obey the Father, to lay down his life, a ransom for many, this mock trial, they're all saying these things. He's pelted by accusations, He's silent. He doesn't answer. And Pilate says, "Don't you hear? How many things?" He answers them to never a word. He's being afflicted. He's being oppressed while he's dying for our sins, and yet he, he has such an effect on others when he's silent. As it says in Isaiah 53.7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Twice in this verse, in Isaiah 53.7, his silence is noted, and it has this profound influence on others. He remained silent when he was being vilified, when he was being abused. As it says in Peter, when he was reviled, he was silent. He reviled not again. When he suffered, he was silent. He threatened not, but committed himself to them, to him that judges righteously. So this silence, just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his silence, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his silence. Just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his speech, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his speech. As it says, when he spoke, they said, nobody has ever spoken like this before. In John 7:46, the officers answered, "Never man spake like this man." He influenced others by when he spoke because he spoke with a boldness, as it says in John 7:26. But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing at him. And the rulers not know this is the very in Christ. He influenced others to the point of astonishment by his speech because he spoke with authority. In Matthew 7:28 through 29, when it said, "The people were astonished." At his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. He influenced to the point where they were wondering. They were in a state of wonderment by what's called the gracious words that he spoke in Luke 4.22 when it says that they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. He influenced, and see, so as, as, as Abraham influenced Isaac by his speech, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his speech. And, and just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his service, the Lord Jesus greatly influenced others by his service. He, he healed the sick. That influenced others. There, there was the man, you remember, the man possessed with the devils. He cut himself. He was living in the tombs in Mark two five two 5, 2 through 5. And it says that there met him a man from the tombs with unclean spirit. He was dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. He says he had been uh, often with and ch- fetters and chains and he, and he plucked asunder those things and he cut himself day and night, crying and cutting himself. And when the Lord Jesus Christ confronted all the devils, besought him, saying, send us into the swine, and, and, and he did that and they were choked. And then it says, and the people came, in, in verse 15, to Jesus and they saw the man that was possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed him in his right man and they were afraid. He influenced them. They were afraid. Then there was the Greek woman, the Greek woman that had the daughter, and the daughter was possessed with the devil in Mark 7, 25 through 30. And, 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 and she was a Greek woman, a Syrophoenician, and she besought, she begged him, please cast forth the devil out of my daughter. But you remember he said, uh, he said uh, it's not right to take the children's bed to cast to dogs. And she, she said, yes, but the dogs eat the crumbs from under the table. And he, and he said, for that saying, for that saying, the devil has gone out of your daughter. And then it says, when it was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon a bed. He influenced people when he cast out that devil. He influenced people so greatly by his service to casting out devils that it says the people were amazed in Mark chapter 1. He says they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commanded even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. He, that was a service he was serving. The people, as he cast out devils at the multitudes, it says they marveled in Matthew 9, 33. When the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled. He influenced them, saying it was never so seen in Israel. He he healed deafness, and he influenced people. In Mark 7, 32 to 35, it says they brought it to him, one that was deaf, and he had an impediment in his speech. And and they just asked him, just put your hand on him. And, he, and he, you know, he put his hand on He put his finger in his ears, he spit, touched his tongue, and so forth. And straightway, it says, his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. They were influenced. He, 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 when he healed blindness, he influenced people in Matthew 9, 27 through 30, when he departed then, and two, remember, two blind men followed him, crying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and he said, Believe you that I'm able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were, straight and straight, straight, were their eyes were open and straightly he charged them. Don't tell anybody. But he influenced those who saw them, saw him do that. He healed dumbness. He healed dumbness. It says that this man was brought to him that had an impediment in his speech in, in Mark 7, and, and, and he, was, he, he was healed of that.
0: Another great study into the life of Abraham here on the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Now, if you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program and you'd like to listen to more messages by Tom Cantor on Friendship with God, you can do so by going to iTunes.com and downloading free messages just by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, you can also download and listen to messages for free by going online to our website, friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. Again, all the messages are there for free listing, free download, and they're made available for free because of you and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. Because the broadcast and the podcast would not be available without your support of Friendship with God and Tom Cantor. Now again, this is a unique Bible teaching radio program, teaching on the Old Testament. And Tom Cantor has a way of just bringing it to life. And if you're enjoying this Bible teaching radio program and want to continue to hear it, we need your support and your help. So donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or you can call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 3051. We can also give you our mailing address or set you up to be a monthly supporter of Friendship with God. So again, that number is 800-247-3051.